Hey creeps, I'm Laura and I'm joined by the wonderfully sassy Rick Belcher. Hi. And Rick, who do we have on as our guest tonight? We have one of the co-hosts of Campfire Tales of the Strange and I always get the last part, is it unsettling? Unsettling. unsettling. I got yeah. it. I got it. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's none other than Jordan Heath. Woo! Welcome, Jordan. Thank you. I'm I'm psyched for this. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I've been a big fan, um, obviously, since I joined your Patreon. I think I was the second Patreon member. Yeah, you were. Yeah, you were. Wow. No, yeah, I am. I'm a big fan of your show. Like, um, I like your, I love your research. Um, storytelling's great. Conversations yes. are great. So, yeah, I've, I've listened to not quite every episode. I have skipped a few fireside chats. I won't lie, but I've listened to all the topic episodes for sure. So I'm gonna be a pain in the ass for the editor and go let my dog out. Oh, that's cool? fine. No, that's fine. All Go right. ahead. All right. If Just you... a moment. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so sorry about that. Don't feel bad at all. If you if you listen to certain episodes, you'll hear my cat scratching at the door or meowing and climbing on me. Yeah. Um, or she Tanya's. also or, yeah. or Tanya's mini her menagerie. Yeah. Um, I even um, had I had a cat during an interview for a job or the job I now have uh climbing over me while I was on video with the president of the company. So yeah. Um yeah my my wife's a vet tech so our house is like overrun. There you go. There you go. Uh, yeah. Um but yeah to get back to um I yeah I appreciate the kind words and the you know you being a patron. Yeah that's, that's awesome. Well that, that I want to support the community. Like that's that's the reason I have all this crap on the wall behind me. Like, sure. It, I'm supporting these artists. We're supporting, you know, the, the, well, that's why we started the like podcast. You. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're all, we're all fans of this stuff and we want to have people on that are in, in the same community, have the same feelings, thoughts, uh, ideas, and yeah. we want to, you know, give them a voice. I know you do that as well. Uh, having, yeah. you know, like, uh, Todd purse, I think was on there. On oh, yours. Yeah. yeah. Listen to his and, and a few other people. We're actually um, coming up in the the next month. We're doing. I'm starting to do fireside chats that are like roundtables. Nice. Oh, cool. And um, Todd's on the very first one of those as, as well. So nice. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I like his work. Yeah. So we've we we collected a lot of people that you know we became friends with from Kryptonaut, and you know they they're doing all of the shows and and going to all the conventions. But you know if we can give them a little bit of airtime on a podcast and a, a supporting posts on a facebook group you know yeah at least absolutely can. yeah yeah i mean it's appreciated for sure yeah, mm-hmm. yeah i yeah. actually We're- mentioned um when uh the kexberg festival was going on i had like posted um something from like eerie eric like go see him go see his booth and <laughs> like later on he was like oh like someone mentioned you like two people mentioned you and yeah, they bought see? some stuff so i'm like there oh awesome go. yeah that's awesome yeah. 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 Every little bit helps. Yeah. And, and, See, we we haven't really taken the taken the leap into the convention circuit yet, but I always anytime there's a big one, I try to like share a list of vendors and mm-hmm. give recommendations for what booths people should hit and 
and all that. So yeah, I'm right yeah. there with you. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Well, you should, um, are you going to, you guys thinking about uh, monster fest next year? Cause yes. that's in Canton. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Cause that's, cool. that's pretty close for us. Cause we're in Indiana. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, we're actually pretty central. Like I always feel bad complaining about the drive to a lot of these. Cause we're like so centrally located. It's like yeah. six hours to West Virginia, six hours to Kentucky, six hours to Ohio. It's like, right. And all these people are driving from like Denver and Texas mm-hmm. and Maine. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> I can't really complain. No, no. Yeah. We're uh, being in, in middle Tennessee. I'm pretty close to a lot of the same stuff and it's, you know, it's, it's less than a day's drive. So I, I have no yeah. excuse either. So yeah, <laughs> my excuse is I have five children. That'll do it. Yeah. yeah. That's a good excuse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> see our, our kids are uh 19 and 16 so they're pretty self-sufficient uh, it's the dog and the cats that can't survive that long yeah yeah mine are 10 to 15 yeah in that oh, okay. range so they're, they're self-sufficient yeah um, i'm still i'm milking it as an excuse i've been using the, it as an excuse to get out of social situations for 15 hey, it works. years so yeah i'm not ready to let it go yet no, still, <laughs> still do it. Yeah. Yep. Keep, keep, just change the ages of your children. When people have something up, like, oh no, my kid's 14. Uh, you know, yeah. It's in the 2030s now. No, oh, my kid's 14. Can't do exactly. <laughs> so Jordan, how did you get into podcasting? Like what made you want to start a podcast? Well, um, to be honest, the impetus for the show was, you know, Ryan and I have been best friends for 25 years. Um, and we kind of, you know, as you become adults, you drift apart, you start spending less and less time together. And the real drive behind starting the show was just to have an excuse to hang out on a video call every weekend, Nice, you know, and, um, we've always both been, we grew up being in bands together and, Mm. and all that. So collaboration was like second nature for us. And we had batted around the idea of, of podcasting for, I don't know, five years before we finally pulled the trigger on it. Yeah. Um, which is a pretty, you know, pretty standard story, but we, the one thing that we always had in common that made everyone else like give us weird looks was, you know, UFO stuff, cryptids, Mm -hmm. all the stuff that we talk about now, you know, like I remember playing a, a punk show in 2002 and Ryan and I just sitting on the side of the stage talking about like the Island Moore lighthouse mystery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, what the hell are these people talking about? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so we've always been into it. So it was, it was pretty obvious when we decided we were going to do it, what we were going to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's how we got into it. And then people started listening and yeah. it's, it's been awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's hard to have a distinct voice with there being a million paranormal mm-hmm. podcasts. And, yeah. you know, I, I started in earnest listening to podcasts back in 2017, um, really started with astonishing legends. I went from there. And of course, like you guys, like I thought, Oh, I can do this. Yeah. And then it, it takes five years until you actually do it. So yeah. 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 You just had to find the right people. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, we still haven't found him yet, but Aww. we're working <laughs> on it. <laughs> Get there eventually. Yeah. So, have you always been interested into the paranormal, or was like since you're little, or as you got older, like teen years? Um, I kind of, I kind of came at it from like, uh, okay, so 
So it's a it's a big there's a lot to the story, but right. the Cliff's Notes version. Um, <laughs> I was raised by by parents who were reformed Quakers turned Buddhists. Nice. Okay. Um, so I grew up with lots of the like Western Buddhism, the spiritualist stuff, the like um, meditation, the you know psychedelics, the yeah. all the all the stuff that like the altered view of reality, right? Um, and that's kind of how I come at all of this stuff. Because I think because of that's like my foundation. But mm-hmm. I also grew up with a dad who was like an incredible storyteller, and he you know, was every weekend around the campfire telling these terror, like terrifying all my friends and (laughs) like, and so I I always had the storytelling bug from him. So yeah, I've been into, you know, I did the same stuff. I grew up watching Unsolved Mysteries and um, all the, you know, in search of Mm -hmm. all that stuff that inspired, you know, an entire generation. So yeah. Oh, yeah. My dad has a Bigfoot encounter from when he was like hitchhiking as a 14 year old in Alaska. Oh. <laughs> so like I grew up hearing that and yeah. And stories of the like. So yeah, I've, I think I've always been into it from one angle or another. Do you think but, your dad really saw Bigfoot? You know, I'm not sold on Bigfoot even existing. Mm-hmm. So I'm not yeah. sure. I know he had an experience that to him was terrifying and life altering as a 14 year old. Right. Um, what the exact nature of that experience was, I, I can't really say, but mm-hmm. I think it was as Bigfoot as any Bigfoot experience could be. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it made me think you said Alaska. Is that, uh, I think, is your favorite cryptid the Kishtaka? Yes, is it is. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the uh, giant man otter. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So weird. I, I know it Laura is. hasn't had a chance to listen to that episode yet. No. It's, it's one of the early ones. It's like yeah, second it's or like third. The third. Yeah. 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 That's it. Was really cool because I never heard of the Kushtaka before. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, it's my favorite. It's my favorite. It's um, I love the cryptids that have like a long, a long history of like indigenous mm-hmm. legend behind them. I think that like as a history guy that's like that does it for me and the the Tlingit people their like culture is so rich with all these like it's almost like a polytheistic culture they're these things are almost like deities to them mm. um but i love the kashtaka because it's basically like if you took bigfoot and a skinwalker and smashed them together yeah oh um, okay yeah it's they're shape-shifting they like can mimic human voices they yeah it's all this stuff and it has like shamanic legend behind it very cool well that's yeah. i know i know you don't believe in bigfoot but that's like one of the reasons well i love bigfoot i'll just say that up front i don't necessarily yeah. believe completely i want to believe but having that native you know native american and first nations uh culture that references bigfoot and refers <laughs> to it as a living breathing existing creature the dog bark stays in. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. But um, any, yeah, anything that has that history behind it, I'm more likely to at least give more yeah. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would agree with that. Um, I wouldn't say I don't believe in Bigfoot. I think I have like a, I have a, a different 
I don't know. Real means can re- can mean so many things. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and I I don't know I don't know that I believe in a flesh and blood Bigfoot, but I don't think that makes it not real. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. No? Um. Yeah. I think that can mean a lot of different. Well, things. that's that's philosophical. Sure. First, first and foremost, but then you're you run down that. Is it a tulpa? Yeah. It, yeah. There's right. and I'm not I'm not necessarily a fan of the not flesh and blood Bigfoot, but. Yeah, I like the theories. Yeah, well, they're fun. Yeah, I'm. I don't know. The deeper I get into this stuff, especially like you know, you you always everyone ends up reading like um, ends up reading like Valet yeah. and um, you know, and now like this stuff Joshua Cutchin is putting out and all that stuff. Um, it's hard. I don't know. It's hard for me, especially coming from like the spiritual side of things to, in the first place. It's, it's hard for me to, to not lean in that direction. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Especially with, with uh, the Buddhist influence. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I mean the monster lover inside me, cause I <laughs> don't get me wrong. I love a monster, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Like I love the idea of a nine foot tall bipedal hominid just running just running rampant through yeah. the forest, you know, like that's badass. Uh, a flesh and blood Bigfoot mm-hmm. is awesome, but uh, and I love I love talking about it, you know, like just because my my leanings are in a different direction, and anyone who listens to the podcast knows that that doesn't stop me from you know discussing a flesh and blood Bigfoot or whatever yeah. it is for an hour straight. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. I thought experiments are uh, that's my jam. Like I'll live in the world uh, that a flesh and blood Bigfoot or nuts and bolts UFOs or yeah. mm-hmm. any of that. I'll live in that world for an hour just to experience talking about it. You know? Yeah. No, I get that. I get that completely. Like I, I'm, I think notoriously anti ultra terrestrial sure. at this point. And um, well, I, I'm, is it Vuk yes. with Trace? Yeah. Trace now is like, he's, he and I have had a, a brief conversation and I've got to get back to him. Um, through Instagram talking about that. And, uh, you know, I, I feel bad because I don't want to sound <laughs> dismissive. Sure. But it it's one of those things that I just personally, it it feels not right to me. Like I, yeah. I'm, I got to have I got to have a, a champ in, you know, Lake Champlain. I've got to have a Bigfoot <laughs> running through the Pacific Northwest. Like they have to be a physical, real creature, not yeah. jumping through portals and stuff. I think that takes yeah. away some of the ma- it takes away some of the magic for me personally. Yeah. I think a lot of, I think a lot, I get that reaction um, yeah. because also I think people are sort of discouraged by the, the idea of it all boiling down to one thing, right? Mm-hmm. you know, like one concept that, that covers all of it. And for people who like, you know, exploring all these topics, I could see how that would make it, you know, for lack of a better word, boring Yeah. to like, everything just goes back to the same answer. Right. right? Um, I, and I think a lot of people freak out because they, they see it as one thing replacing the other. And mm. I, I like the idea that, um, that all of these could be true mm-hmm. simultaneously. Right. Right. So, I mean, someone experiencing what they think is a Bigfoot in the Pacific Northwest saying that it, you know, was controlling, um, controlling spook lights and stepping through portals and stuff like that can be true but you could also find a footprint from an actual physical hominid 
that might also exist out there. You know, I, I like that, that there's space for all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. You're, you're right, though, with people using it as a blanket explanation. Mm-hmm. And too often lately, you'll have, uh, and I think Skinwalker Ranch and the Mothman are kind of to blame a lot for this because there are so many different variables to play. And it's, and I know Astonishing Legends was, I'm not going to say bad about it, but you know, that everything is connected. There's got to be one uh, all encompassing force doing these paranormal acts. Like it's not just multiple different things. It's all Mm -hmm. one thing. That's what really gets me. I think people are, um, I think it's an Occam's razor thing where people are saying like, if all these things are happening in one place simultaneously, the simplest answer is that it's all one thing, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Instead of just coincidentally, there's a a big foot here, there are aliens here, there are shadow people, and they're all separate things that are just for some reason drawn to this one place. Right. I guess guess this is where the phrase window area comes in. Sure. Yeah, like uh, Chestnut Ridge. I know Stan Gordon has a ton of Mm -hmm. reports of Bigfoot, UFO, orbs, lights, like all of this connected. And it could just be that it's like Ohio. Ohio is weird. There's a lot of (laughs) stuff in Ohio. Right. Yep. You know, so like it doesn't necessarily have to be connected. Yeah. Yeah. So Jordan, you're in Indiana mm-hmm. and there's a lot of local legends in Indiana. Yeah. One that I hadn't heard of was the Beast of Busco. Rick, have you heard of it? I have. Do okay. I know details? No. Of course not. <laughs> so Busco is short for the town churubusco right is that how you say it yep yep and it's allegedly just an enormous snapping turtle like we're talking 500 pounds yeah right the size of a dinner table that's crazy so it was first seen in in 1898 by a farmer named oscar falk um which he said that the turtle was living in his seven acres uh seven acre lake on his farm and apparently oscar told everyone he knew about it but he decided just to leave it alone um he eventually sold the land in 1914 those owners saw the large snapping turtle too 1947 you got new owners and um in 1948 that's when more uh reports started happening about the beast um they described it as having the head uh, the size of a child's, the back as broad as their rowboats. Um, and I guess they saw it numerous times. They attempted to catch it a lot, but no, I guess no one ever saw the turtle again after 1949, right? Yeah. And um, he's affectionately known as Oscar, and the town has huh. turtle days, like a turtle day festival in June mm-hmm. with a parade and, and all that to celebrate yeah Uh, little beast yeah i've um i've gone to turtle days several times churubusco is about um about a 30 minute drive from me i'm pretty close um and and, um the the really cool part of that story is the last the final owners um they went through they went to crazy lengths to try to catch this thing Mm -hmm. they i mean there there were reports of them boating over and dropping dynamite into the water 
I think they drained it too, right? Yeah. Yeah, They drained this lake, this massive lake. They spent like a month draining it and never found anything. Um, But, you know, people say that, but when you drain a lake, you don't, it's not like you turn it into a, an empty bowl. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, especially if you're looking for something like an alligator snapping turtle, they burrow down in the mud. They Mm -hmm. like, there are lots of reasons that they might not have found it. And I don't, I don't, this is one that I like because I don't rule out the fact that this could be snapping turtles get really big. They do. Yeah. Yeah. They get very big. And this, you know, this being almost a hundred years ago now, they, um, there could have been, there could have been a dining, a dining table size snapping turtle Mm -hmm. in that lake. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's well, only that's only about thirty percent bigger than the biggest one ever recorded, so yeah, loops like that happen all the time. Yeah, it's not it's not crazy because that's that's something that exists now, right? Yeah, and turtles have existed for hundreds of millions of mm-hmm. years in the fossil record. So taking mm-hmm. an existing living thing and just having a larger version of it that's not crazy to me. No, yeah, I think that that seems very reasonable because I know there was one. I I have no details on this, but there was a story of someone swimming in a lagoon in Hawaii over what looked to be a 20 foot diameter sea turtle in a little lagoon yeah. like those kinds of those kinds of stories to me seem very legit like it's they something do. that I, I would be more likely to believe that than i would other stuff yeah so i yeah. love that kind of stuff yeah that's awesome yeah i'm like oh this just seems like it could be real <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely mm-hmm. i think um you know and you take into consideration the fact that we know more about the space between the earth and the the moon than we do about the bottom of our oceans right yep you know that it's it's no one can even venture a guess at what's down there mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's it's absolutely horrifying one of the many reasons i don't go in the water like Same. we've uh my my wife is in love with jeremy wade from river monsters so we pretty routinely watch that show and you know he finds these things that are just natural everyday fish that are absolute horrified you know they're just <laughs> yeah. terrified monsters yeah Yeah. like they'll pull out a literal 14 foot white sturgeon out of a river like that that shouldn't be there this shouldn't exist but it does and that just it just goes to show that there are crazy things that do exist out there yeah i instantly i instantly go to the episode i think it was in thailand where he pulled those massive river stingrays up oh yeah they're like eight feet across is oh yeah terrifying it's, <laughs> it's just there yeah and in all this stuff in south america like every like that's it's the most i think the the amazon has more volume of water passing through it than like the nine other longest rivers in the world combined yeah and you've got such a variety of species there that there are things we don't know about obviously mm-hmm. and there you know there might be a 50 foot anaconda in one of those rivers there might yeah. be there might be a 20 foot river dolphin that we don't know about you know it's just these crazy things just, or a 500 pound snapping turtle yeah too yeah a dining yeah. table size snapping turtle I, exactly yeah that it gives me hope and i i am forever the the molder wanting to believe yeah but, yeah i like yeah. yeah i like that yeah <laughs> too too often i find myself being a scully but you know i want to be a molder <laughs> yeah um so there's a serial killer, right? That uh, buried some people on his land. 
you want to talk about? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jordan, did you um... have anything to do with that? <laughs> that's a uh, Foxwoods farm, um, which is a super, a super creepy story. And it, it's very, um, it's very true crime when you get into it. Um, but the guy who, the guy who did it, the serial killer, was actually the founder of one of the biggest grocery store chains in Indiana called Save-A-Lot. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, he was the founder of it. Um, but, okay, so last minute, and I probably should have told you before, I, I changed which ghost story I wanted to tell. Oh, okay. Because that, that one is very true crime, and it's very, like, sort of gruesome and that's all right Um, yeah it's so there's a place i chose this one because it's literally three blocks from where i grew up like um i actually grew up friends with a kid who lived in the house um and it's it often gets like conflated with the the demon house from gary indiana which is that place that was like strip mined for zach baggins's yeah museum of cultural exploitation yeah he stole the staircase yeah yeah Yeah. and like dirt from the basement and i don't know all that silly shit (laughs) Um, (laughs) right (laughs) that stuff drives me nuts i I hate when they i hate when they dig up a basement and they're like we found socks buried (laughs) and i'm like yeah they probably fell between the washer and dryer at some point right (laughs) like it's People take so many leaps. It's funny. Um, but the place that I'm talking about is called Monroe House. Um, okay. So the current house, which is like super unassuming, it looks like just a regular, it looks like every other house on the block. Okay. Um, but it was built in 1892 on top of an existing foundation from a former structure, but no one really knows what was there before. Like, You'll hear people say that some grand Victorian estate was there or something, but there's no proof of that. Like there's no record of one ever existing there. Hmm. Um, So according to the legend, residents of this house were plagued with bad luck, basically. And I've this being like not just a home state mystery, but a hometown Mm -hmm. mystery for me. Like I've done a lot of research on it and digging through old newspaper articles and all that. And there was a like a a super bizarre string of accidents and disasters that involved the families that lived in this house. Oh, wow. So I'll just like briefly run through the stuff that these people endured while living in this house. So it started around 1900 when there was like basically a nasty divorce and there were accusations of child abuse and domestic violence and desertion and all that stuff. That was a much bigger deal in 1900. Like, it was it was the talk of the town. It literally was in newspapers from the time that this family was going through this. So, and then those people just kind of vanish. And then census records for a few years later put a pretty wealthy Belgian family in the house. Um, the Berger family, which is a great name. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so John Berger, the family patriarch, died of tuberculosis in the house then his widow committed suicide in the house Hmm. the same year and 
Then there was the death of their daughter and her infant son during childbirth, mm-hmm. which led to her other five children being raised by her grandmother in the house um, because the father of the children also died in the same year. Wow. Um, yeah. Then her brother, who lived in the house, had both of his feet amputated from frostbite. Mm. Um, then a boarder that lived in the house had his foot stepped on by a horse and had that foot amputated. Uh, Yeah. And then, yeah, it goes on and on. Um, there's an accident where a wagon wheel sort of inexplicably fell off of a carriage and, um, and killed a young girl. Like in in front of the house. Yeah. Like, (laughs) yeah. Like, in the basically in the driveway of the house okay. they were they were just standing around a wagon and the wheel just kind of comes off and smash her um oh. and then there were vague references that i found to a hate crime that led to a a fatal shooting of one of the grandsons that lived in the house wow um yeah so a lot of people talk about the house being cursed right and it yeah I mean, it kind of tracks, yeah. right? Like, I, I don't really know what curse means, but that's some really bad luck. That is. Like, yeah, all that over the course of 30 years. Like, yeah, it's a lot. That's insane. So in, in 1940, another tenant um, somehow drove his car into a support beam of the bridge right after leaving the house. And um, the beam somehow tore from the bridge and pierced the car and impaled the driver. Good Lord. <laughs> it's, it's so horrifying that I have to laugh at it. Like, yeah. This is, You're yeah. a terrible person for laughing at it. <laughs> I am. It's, it's, my, it's my trauma response. It's just, <laughs> I laugh. Yeah, I, I get it. I, I do the same thing. I, <laughs> I'm constantly like, when we're editing the show, I'm like, do I leave this in? Do I like let them understand that I'm an asshole? Um, yes, I, th- I think for honesty's sake, knows that yeah. Rick is, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, there's, there's. We no... can edit it out for you though, Jordan. <laughs> Appreciate we'll t- it. We'll tell everybody that Jordan was nice and polite and not uh, a right. horrible, sadistic person. Right. Like when I when I talk about this is why like I kind of shy. We cover a lot of hauntings on the show, mm-hmm. obviously, but mm-hmm. like I. I'm always uneasy with them because like the true crime element, I try to be like reverential about like these tragedies that happen to real people, you know, right. but like there's, you have to deal with it, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have to deal with what you're hearing and I I feel like whatever works for you. Right. Well, um, yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to discuss real human tragedy, but it's, it's very easy to talk about, you know, the Hopkinsville goblins, like there's exactly it's, you can be, there can be levity about that mm-hmm. because no one died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but the minute in the span of 30 years, a dozen people meet horrifying yeah. ends. That's, that's a completely different case. Yeah. When we covered the Velisca ax murder house mm-hmm. oh, yeah. on the show, that was so, that's the, the most challenging episode I think I've ever done. Yeah. It's, it's all this just horrible. It's right. man, it's so much horrible. But um, yeah, so the research 
gets kind of sketchy on the house about at about 1940 mm-hmm. because the house was split into a triplex and it's like sort of a complicated tangle of tenants and owners and it's impossible to decipher what's really going on in the house but um bizarre events and the timeline that ensued from them like corroborate elements of the haunting that's that's what's really cool to me is um the legend that comes after it so many of them can be connected back to this like list of of tragedies that happen in the house Mm -hmm. um and then when you search for modern sightings it like longtime residents yeah I, i wrote some stuff but it's sounding very written so i growing up in hartford city there were there were people that um that had this legend was definitely around yeah personally i didn't i honestly didn't hear a lot about it until i was older but i ta- i've talked to people now and that it was just a part of their childhood they grew up hearing it you know right and which always felt odd to me, but by the time in the 90s when I had the friend that lived there, it had been a triplex for 50 years. It had all these, you know, coming and going tenants and owners, and I, I never really heard anything. And I remember like playing Final Fantasy in the house, you know. In you the never kids felt bedroom. weird or no, no, it never, it never felt bad to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but there have been lots of reports, especially since paranormal investigators have started like showing up and and investigating the house over Mm -hmm. the last like 10 years or so um but i found three reports in 2012 where neighbors called the police to report a black figure in the house followed by a glow they thought was fire Hmm. um and then when the cops arrived the house is empty and silent and locked up and you know, nothing's going on. Yeah. Um, and there are like reports of, you know, ghostly figures in the wind being seen in the windows and um, odd lights at odd hours and screaming noises coming from the house and, you know, sort of run of the mill haunted house creepiness. Right. Um, but I, I also, if you're interested, I found a few, a few quotes. I actually found a Facebook group where people were talking about the house Ooh. and pulled a few, pulled a few quotes um, mm-hmm. from people that, that are actually from Hartford city. Um, okay. So this woman says, I spent about six years of my childhood growing up in that house. I was always scared of the strange noises. They were not common, but when it happened, it sure got your attention fast. My mother would comfort me about the sounds and voices as a child, but she mentioned years later about a woman she thought she had seen upstairs near my bedroom. She had always wondered if she had seen the apparition of the woman who had taken her own life decades ago. I, for one, never liked the old house and was happy when we relocated in the early 50s. So Hmm. this was like someone from the early years of of it being a triplex. So that's before even there could be a legend necessarily built around it? Yeah, because in in later years, you know, when you were a kid, there's this aura and and whispers about it, and you almost yeah. you almost go looking for it. You expect something to happen. Yep. And you know, to to have it happen that early in its history, that's that lends some credence to it. Yeah, but, and it was it was kind of fresh still, right? Like mm-hmm. all the yeah. 
all the shit that the family went through while living in the house before they finally sold it. I mean, they lived there for like 35 years. Oh. Dealing with all that. Yeah. And like, it's weird to me, especially in the age of, in the age of spiritualism and all that, that no one thought like, maybe we should get the hell out of here. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's bizarre. Yeah. No, I, I tend, I tend to believe things a little bit more, at least give them, uh, you know, that they could be a little realer than others. If there is, you know, there's a corresponding story. There are experiences before it was widespread, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, we, I've we've had stories from uh, listeners where they had corroborating evidence, you know, through news reports and things like that. Like that seems more real to me. Like I, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'm more likely to believe that. But I don't necessarily believe, but still, yeah. you know, I always wonder when one UFO experience is followed by like a rash of UFO experiences. Mm-hmm. My first question is always, was the first one publicized? Right. Yeah. Because if that stuff hits the newspaper, it's really easy for people to just play tag along. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They they want that extra little bit of fame. And that's that's something, you know, we had Rob Christofferson on here and we talked UFOs. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the sightings of aliens change dependent on what is current in pop culture. Mm-hmm. So like oh, yeah. uh, the, Whit- the Whitley Strieber cover of communion is very influential. Right. But, you know, you had humanoids back in the forties and fifties, then you have, you know, little green men uh, post Hopkinsville, you know, those yep. kinds of things. So it's, and even it's... like the shape of the UFO. Oh yeah. 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 The craft has changed over, over time with, I think with cultural perception. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, so now, yeah. now, now it's not a saucer. It's an egg or a tic-tac shape. Like that's, right. that's right. Or a correct. black triangle. Yeah. Yeah. That one, that's a government craft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. We, we can talk about that for hours, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I love those kinds of stories. That That's the kind of bread and butter that I was raised on. You know, these yeah. spooky cursed houses with ghosts that lingered for years there was a you probably saw this uh haunted history on a and e back in the late 90s mm-hmm. yeah narrated by john glover like that was something that i loved because you had a you had a story you had the history right. of the house you had the people in it and then you had the ghostly experiences that followed it like that's yeah. that i love so this is right up my alley yeah perfect yeah i i love a good haunted house mm-hmm. so are people still experiencing stuff there they it's actually uh that's all it is now is like a little tourist spot for like you can i mean i have a big problem with like paratourism it's kind of kind of have a bone to pick with it it it, like it drives me crazy that excuse me it drives me crazy that people are spending you know two hundred dollars to spend a night in this house now um and they have like all these like spooky pictures on their on their facebook or whatever mm-hmm. but they don't if you turn the camera around you'd see like a a little gift shop with like mm-hmm. bags of potato chips you can buy and right yeah it's it's, it's entirely commercialized yeah yeah it's like yeah. uh lizzie borden house is a bed and breakfast yep. and the uh sally house mm-hmm. is yep. another tourist trap so it's it's horrible but i, I yeah. can't i can't say anything i just did the ufo tour and hit point pleasant and kexburg sure. and all that stuff so i'm just as guilty oh yeah i, mean, yeah. I would do it but yeah, yeah. well yeah. american hauntings ghost hunt um it's 86 dollars per person to spend a night at the demon house okay 
So uh, that's October 15th. If anyone wants to do it. <laughs> yeah. That's I can literally yeah. throw a rock out my window and hit that house. You should, but do. you've never seen like a ghostly <laughs> figure or strange no. glow in the window. Nope. Never. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I no, I haven't, I haven't seen anything. I'm not like discounting that anything's there. Right. Right. Cause I don't know, but in my experience, nothing, it just, it's a house. It just oh, looks yeah. like another house on the block. Right. You're, you're talking to two people here who the, have not had experiences. Yeah. We're very yeah. skeptical. Have you had well, any experiences? Yeah. None. Yeah. Yeah. None. I know Ryan, I know Ryan has. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Ryan definitely has. Um, I, my interest is, is purely academic. Mm-hmm. I don't Same like, here. I, I don't have any drive from some wild experience or anything like that. Um, I've had a couple weird things happen recently while doing interviews for the podcast. Um, but did you explain them away? I mean, yeah, they, they can be, it's just a weird <laughs> timing thing, right? It's always yeah. like, it's always strange timing. Like I was interviewing Heather Mosier mm-hmm. from small town mm-hmm. monsters. Um, and everything was everything was good connection was there were no hiccups the whole interview and then the moment I was telling a story that my mother tells from when she was young where she she thinks that she saw a demon Mm -hmm. when she was when she was a little girl and the moment that I mean and and I mean the moment that I said the word demon the whole app just crashed like Mm. dropped and even after we reconnected, I asked Heather where I left off. And it was like, right before I said the word demon, she lost me. Nice. Oh, wow. Which, yeah, that felt weird. Yeah. Um, obviously, it can be written off as coincidental or, yeah. um, mm-hmm. but, and then recently I was interviewing Joe Torino from um, War Party Paranormal. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he was talking about how he's moving away from, the tech stuff while doing ghost hunts and he's like getting in more of the like spiritual approach to it and like communicating through knocks and things like that and he um he the moment like he said he was reenacting talking to out loud in one of these haunted locations and he was like you can use this rim pod to communicate or if you'd like you can just knock and as soon as he said that there was a knock like Mm. that he could hear through the microphone in my house like a loud knock and it could have been one of my kids like banging an elbow against Mm -hmm. the wall in in their sleep or (laughs) but just the timing was like it was so on yeah well so those are as close as i've ever gotten to to an anomalous experience we had something happen really early on it may have been the first or second episode i can't remember but i was talking about the kid's grandfather who had passed while mm-hmm. staying with us. Mm-hmm. And while I was talking about Eddie, I had so much static come through. Like everybody it's, could it's hear in the static. The, it's in he the passed away too. in the room that Rick is in right now. Where I'm sitting okay. right here. Yeah. And you know, it's one of those things that, Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, it, it could be completely coincidental, but you know, it's, it's evidence. Maybe sure. Something, but yeah. Yeah. It's those little things we, if, if I had not been discussing, that and we had static like oh maybe my phone was too close to the Mm -hmm. microphone yeah you know those little things but it's it's all about what moment you're in when it happens i think you i mean you make a good point that it's evidence and i think a lot of people 
confuse evidence for proof. Yes. Those are two very different things. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I consider little moments like that to be evidence, yeah. right. To yeah. be assessed. I scream that at the TV if we're watching something and they say, here's <laughs> proof. Like it was, no, a, that's a, evidence. A, no, that's evidence. Proof, proof would be undeniable. This is just, right. yeah, there's, here's another piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's semantics, I guess, but it infuriates me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people, I don't know. I'm, I'm someone who's like constantly plagued by the hatred of colloquialisms, right? <laughs> like people are just like taking, taking agency with, or taking, they, they just do whatever they want with the English language. Right. And there, yeah, it's, there's a big difference between evidence and proof. It's, it's like using irregardless. Yes. Oh, <laughs> my, my wife is pissed off hearing that through the walls now. That's her. <laughs> tr- if I want to set her off, say irregardless. <laughs> so you're welcome, Amy, wherever you are. <laughs> All right. You yeah, ready those, for oh, sorry. those little ones drive me nuts. Like <laughs> irregardless. Yes. For, for all intensive purposes. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> I know people like people say, um, okay. So little, little known fact about me. I'm also a huge sucker for the show survivor. Yeah. Mm. Like I've been watching it since it's aired in 2000 and um, <laughs> it happens so often on that show. People say I'm calm and collective. Oh no. And I, ugh. It like makes me cringe <laughs> so hard every time. Well, you can't help but then judge that person. Like, oh, my opinion is lowered of you now. I hope you get off the island, right? Or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the point is to stay on the island. But, oh, is it? Yeah. I have never well, seen Well, they, they want them to <laughs> stay on the island until they get off the island with the money. That's the, the mm. key. Yeah. I only watched the very first season of Survivor. I have no clue about the rest of it. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for some uh, rapid fire questions? Yeah. Yeah. All right. What book are you currently reading? Oh, what book am I currently reading? Like four. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm currently reading the new Joshua Cutchin book. Um, it's called. Oh man, I just interviewed him. It's um right. But I'm I'm currently reading the new Joshua Cutchin book. It's mm-hmm. massive. It's yeah. two volumes. It's like oh, plus wow. a companion. It's total like seventeen hundred pages. Nice. It's yeah. So I'm I'm getting through that. Um, I'm also rereading the Dark Tower series. Yes. Um, Stephen King's Dark Tower series. I can see um, Duma Key on the shelf behind you. I can't. Oh, yeah. I can't see any of the other titles, but I see Duma Key because it's <laughs> colorful. Yeah, there's yeah. there's lots of Stephen King behind me. Um <laughs> and I'm reading the I'm finishing the Feminine Macabre, volume three. Nice. Um Yeah, Heather Moser wrote for that too, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, she's in volume one and volume three. She's yeah. she's like, I can't be in every volume, but I'm doing, I'm gonna try to hit all the odd ones. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um nice. that's what that's what I'm reading right now. Okay. Cool. Who do you think would win in a battle, the Snallygaster or the Van Meter Visitor? Ooh, the Snallygaster. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> too, too many weapons, right? Yeah. The the Van Van Meter Visitor is basically would just it just has that you know that light attack. The light, yeah, 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 <laughs> um, yeah. The Snallygaster is badass. 
that's a dragon yeah, yeah. absolutely like <laughs> yeah uh what was the last song you downloaded Ooh, the last song i downloaded was i can tell you exactly it was on napster <laughs> yeah, it was a metallica track LimeWire. It, it was yeah i was gonna say it was limewire <laughs> back in 2003 kazaa oh kazaa oh, okay. forgot about yeah. that it was the last thing i downloaded was i don't mind by sturgill simpson oh yes nice yeah. i love sturgill oh yeah yeah what is your favorite breakfast food i don't i actually don't eat breakfast <gasps> okay <laughs> yeah um any of it nothing so, no answer so your for first that meal one. of your day is lunch no it's dinner <gasps> you don't eat breakfast or lunch oh, man correct once wow. a day do will you eat breakfast foods for dinner no <laughs> <laughs> i'm just gonna say no oh man yeah oh what a bummer yeah <laughs> yeah Womp, womp. food question people always think that my my answers for food questions are, are always boring so yeah. i have like very i have a very limited diet it's it's weird and mm-hmm. yeah no i get it i get it yeah rick had some questions well sure. so so these really aren't questions this is more of a i'm gonna name cryptids and a yes or no do you think they're real okay first so we, let's establish yeah. You mean like real. flesh and blood real? That's what, what you're asking. I mean, they exist in some form outside of a person's brain. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. Whether whether it means they're uh, interdimensional or hopping through portals or have camouflage or whatever. Sure. Um, I'm always interested to hear what people say. So, yeah, okay. obviously, obviously you've established that you like Bigfoot, but don't necessarily believe in them. Sure. Um, let's go down the line. Loch Ness Monster. Yes. Mothman? No. Champ? No. The Loveland Frogman behind me? Yes. Oh, wow. Interesting. (laughs) Um, Beast of Busco? Yes. Okay. Good answer. Let's see. What else? What are some good ones? Uh, Laura, what are some good ones to throw out there since I'm blanking? Oh, my God. Flatwoods Monster. Yeah. No. Okay. Um, Grafton monster. No. Okay. Good answer. <laughs> Nightcrawlers. Uh, the... <laughs> no. A resounding oh. no. Oh. They are my least favorite cryptid oh, on you're, earth. You're breaking my wife's heart. That's her favorite. I'm, mine too. Yeah. 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 It's, I don't. It's horrible. I th- I think they're the least compelling visually <laughs> of all the cryptids. What that's, do you think that's... it was that was on the camera? Like Photoshop or digital? I don't, I don't think it was intentional. My friend, um, and he also writes for Paranormality Magazine, he did an article where he actually was the first person to interview the guy who the the footage belonged to. Mm. Um, the first person to interview him since it happened. And I don't think it was an intentional hoax. Um, I think... It's probably a weird video anomaly. I think some kids mm. were probably just walking through and it looked weird. Yeah. It, it just, you know, some things just look weird sometimes. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like, look at right. Sometimes things, 
so weird. I mean, no, some, I get it. sometimes things just don't look the way you'd expect them to look. Yeah. Well, Especially with like grainy footage. Yeah. And yeah. Well, it was like video cameras. of a video, right? Yes. Isn't that what yes. it was? Yeah. Yep. Security cameras are like notorious because they only pick up certain parts of the movement. They'll only catch, like, you'll see a dog walking across the screen disappear because the video is no longer picking it up. Doesn't mean yep. the dog disappeared. It's just that the video sucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. And all those it. videos of like cars getting hit by ghost cars. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's just, it's weird footage glitches and anomalies. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those, a lot of those, things you see are composite videos anyway from like multiple camera angles right and some things don't get picked up they get lost in the composite you know what i mean right Mm. yeah well that was that was something i liked uh, mentioning heather moser she was on um paranormal unexplained the youtube show that small town monsters had i loved that show me too like it was something you know i'd get home and there'd be a new episode every friday and my wife and i would sit there and try to do the same thing figure it out because we do that with paranormal caught on camera. Well, you know, it, if it looks like somebody could be across the room with some string opening a door, that's that's mm-hmm. the Occam's razor explanation to me. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm right there with you on that. Cameras, you can't trust any of it, unfortunately. Yeah. You got any more? Oh boy. Uh the Altamahaha. No. No, yeah. Yeah. Good, good answer. <laughs> uh Beast of Jevudon. Yes. Yeah. What do you think that was? I think it was a big ass wolf. Okay. You don't. Think, you don't. Think, you don't buy think, the hyena explanation. No, no. No. Okay. Not in France. Yeah. Not. Yeah. I mean, people. <laughs> to be fair, though, people were carting around all manner of wildlife in those times. I mean, there was no customs. You know what I mean? Right. And, and this was this was post the age of exploration. So people were. You know how you see like wealthy sheiks that live in LA that like walk around with tigers on a leash and shit now like that shit was going on then too yeah you know what I mean like people kings and people like that barons with you know a royalty complex they wanted like these menageries so it wouldn't be weird to me if there if it was something like a hyena but even if it was a hyena you're talking like either massively exaggerated reports Right. or the biggest hyena you could possibly imagine i mean right. <laughs> i mean they're talking about something that was described as seven feet at the shoulder yeah. i mean this is a massive animal yeah. right well do you th- you say it's a wolf do you think then it was a- an extinct dire wolf yes yeah okay. yeah that's what okay. I, I think it was probably like a remnant of yeah. of the of the dire wolf line that was still around okay um that makes the most sense to me yeah um it was really hard to kill and it was always described as like it could take shot after shot after shot and seemingly ineffective right but Mm -hmm. the the french population would be unfamiliar with trying to kill something that big yeah oh it's like trying to kill a bear you yeah can't do that (laughs) yeah and i mean like with the weaponry they had in that time like good luck taking down a, a bison Mm-hmm. yeah you know what i mean like good luck it's it's gonna seem like you're doing nothing mm-hmm. for the right. first you know 10 shots yeah yeah that, that absolutely makes sense um let me step on some relatively local toes to to Lori here what about the uh, beast of bray road 
uh, I have pregnant, a complicated yeah I have a <laughs> I have a complicated relationship with Dogman sightings. Um, <laughs> I I real I don't believe that there is a biological Dogman. Okay. Uh, there is like literally zero indication of anything like even close to it in the fossil record yep of anything any canine with anything close to humanoid features mm-hmm. um so i have trouble buying a flesh and blood dog man but that i mean the legend is the legend is undeniable right where yeah. the werewolf legend has been with humanity from almost its beginning right yeah. right so I think people are having experiences. I, d- I don't, I don't believe like, I don't believe some of the wolves sometimes stand up and light a cigarette before they walk away. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't right. think that's happening, but I think something's there. Some, some, they're experiencing something. Okay. Yeah. That's a good answer. Yeah. I, I agree with the uh, biological dog man not existing. Absolutely. What about you, Laura? No, I don't believe it. No, no. She doesn't believe anything. I don't believe in anything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, oh. Speaking speaking of Thunderbirds, what about Thunderbirds, Jordan? Yes. Yeah. Thunderbirds. Yes. I like yeah. the idea. I asked that because Laura's mom saw one. Yeah. Oh yeah, she was one of A the pterosaur. original. Yeah. Spider, right. Yeah. yeah. That's. Yeah, I. I think the Thunderbird again with that indigenous lore behind it Mm -hmm. right there's there's so much there and it wouldn't be all that unprecedented to see a big ass bird yeah you know what i mean like and the the animus the animistic qualities of native american culture it of course it was imbued with you know majesty and right and this like these magical qualities Mm. um most things were right Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah yeah, i i definitely believe in the thunderbird yeah i like i believe in the i, I like it like i want to believe me too in the yeah yeah like i really yeah. really i like all it. of it i want to believe in yeah. all of it but i just can't well yeah. some of it's <laughs> some of it's absolute garbage but yeah sure you like sure. it anyway so. right i mean every once in a while you're gonna have like a galrow and a squonk that you know what i mean <laughs> right. stuff that's just like it's silly on its nose yeah yeah uh, yeah that, and that those and are okay dag. too those are that and the what the ho dag. Yeah. oh yeah 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 um, the Galrau and the Hodag are basically the same thing. They're just a few states apart. Mm-hmm. See, I never heard of the Gal- Galrau? Galrau? Yeah, Galrau. Galrau. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Look and it's all like lumberjack legends, right? Mm. Which yeah. are fantastic. I yeah, love there's so reading. many. I love, yeah, I love reading those. Mm. But um, do I think they're actually like roaming around the woods? No, but I think those <laughs> early lumberjacks that were out there, like they were kind of the unsung front lines of exploration right. in the, as the U.S. was being settled. So I think they definitely saw some weird shit out there, stuff they didn't recognize or mm-hmm. have an explanation oh, yeah. for. And, right. you know, they're not much better than fishermen in the, the way they told stories in the time, right? So they, yeah. they grew and, and got reshaped by new generations. And, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I always say humans are horrible at judging size distance and weight mm-hmm. like absolutely yeah and that's that's been proven there's even uh going back to thunderbirds there's an episode of monster quest that tackles that they have somebody with a i think it's an 18 foot wingspan kite that they fly up in the air and they mm-hmm. ask people on the ground to guess like one out of 20 even comes close yeah yeah i'm sure most people that. are like 
like 40 feet across. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. We, we way overestimate. Absolutely. Yeah. I always use the, the, um, the metaphor or the illusion that like you wouldn't ask someone, you wouldn't expect an accurate estimation of someone's height from a person laying on the ground under them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Without um, a point of reference. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, especially when you get like fear involved and adrenaline and things mm. like that. Like, yeah, I think a lot of things are bigger in the story than they are in, in actuality. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Cool. Well, I, I could probably sit here and throw cryptids at you for the rest of the evening, but yeah, yeah. for, for everyone's sake, <laughs> I'll pull it's the a fun in. game. Yeah. 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 No, I, I enjoy it. It's, it's something I always love asking people. So thank you for, yeah. for taking. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, Jordan, where can people find you? You can find the podcast on any podcast app you can imagine. We're there. Mm. Um, so wherever you're listening to this, you can find us. Um, you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook at campfire.tales.podcast or on Twitter at campfire, T-O-T-S-A-U, mm. or on Twit. no, Twitch. <laughs> you're gaming. Wow. You're gaming. That's cool. Yeah, clearly. No, on... Um, <laughs> on tiktok at campfire.podcast oh what kind of tiktoks um, do you guys do um the kind of everyone are doing <laughs> <laughs> to be honest they're just right? eating spoonfuls um, of cinnamon and seeing what happens and dancing yeah no like uh, every <laughs> everyone in the in this niche is doing the like quick rundowns of yeah. of stories right stuff, yeah and, yeah so we've we've done a lot of that um we've i've kind of been off of the tiktok for a for a while it's exhausting yeah. Oh, I'm sure it, it really is like those guys like Jeff from Strangeology and Jeremiah from Bigfoot mm-hmm. Society. Those dudes who have made like the full transition to TikTok, they're doing like three videos a day. Yeah. I'm like, how? Right. I no, did. It's... I did one a day. I did one every day for a month and a half. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. I'm, no, it's it's, it's so much. It's hard enough shit posting on Facebook. It's <laughs> it's much more difficult to do a TikTok. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Also, I mean, Ryan and I both have a face for radio, so it's it's not great. It's video is not our it's not our best our best platform. Well, well I hate sure. to break it to you, but this is being released as video only. Oh, <laughs> Sorry to all the viewers. We should have used yeah. a filter. Yeah. Yeah. Should have. <laughs> too late now hmm. oh, yeah but thanks thanks for being on yeah you, thank you for being on here yeah this was awesome i yeah i had a really good time yeah same here well you can find me rick and the rest of the gang on all the socials too we're on mostly facebook yep that's me instagram <laughs> tiktok twitter uh please rate and review our podcast that'd be yeah. fantastic we have a red bubble store where you can find ridiculous things with our logo on it. For some reason, yeah. We're going to have a big cartel store opening soon, so be on the lookout for that. And me and Tanya will be at the Van Meter Festival in Iowa on Saturday, September 24th. So come and say hi. Jordan, are you guys doing any events this year? We aren't until next year. We were planning on doing the tail end of the year, but um, Mm -hmm. my wife is about to get surgery on her ankle, and she's going to be like, out of commission for a while and yeah. i can't i can't leave her on her own with a basketball team worth of kids right i get that so, i get that yeah <laughs> um 
but yeah, I'm super jealous that you're going to go into fan meter. Cause that's like at the top of my list. Ooh, the top of my yeah. list. Yeah. Well, you're probably sure. six hours from there too. So yeah, just about, it's actually seven. <laughs> very uh, close. Very close. Yeah. 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 Cool. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again. Yeah. Thanks Jordan. Appreciate it. Yeah. I, I would come back anytime. This oh, is super fun. I love that you guys like keep it, keep it light. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thanks. Cool. Glad to hear that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye.